Bible prophecy is often misunderstood and misapplied, which leaves many people confused or fearful. But when the Bible is studied in its proper context, prophecy becomes clear and understandable. There is no one we can trust more than Jesus, and His words will speak specifically to us as we study them in their simplicity. Welcome to Jesus on Prophecy. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here tonight to Jesus on Prophecy. And Lord, we want to know and learn from you and from your word. So please guide us. Send your spirit to be our teacher. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we see that it is no secret that our world is in chaos. It's an ever-changing place. The pain and the suffering and trouble we see in the news or that we experience personally seems to escalate every day, does it not? And natural disasters continue to increase. Daily, there seems to be fresh news of an earthquake, tsunami, hurricane, or some other misfortune. You just turn on the news and you see all those things. You have a fresh supply of bad news that comes up of what happened uh, the latest uh, tragedy that happened in the news in the world. We also see that financial corruption, poverty, and the uncertainty of the future seems to overwhelm and drive many people to depression at rates unprecedented in human history. And um, being in Michigan doesn't help <laughs> because we know we have how many months of winter without any sun? <laughs> you know, actually, I was, I'm from California. And when I first came to Michigan in 2012, oh man, I, I, I got what was called seasonal depression, literally, because I was used to the sun all the time, but when, the, when it was blocked out, like I, I literally got depressed. I was like, what was, what was happening to me? I never felt this way before. But uh, I can understand and sympathize people who are dealing with depression, and that is becoming more and more prevalent today. With the constant threat of terrorism, political unrest, and social injustice. There's a tension in the world that is beyond the ability of the human intelligence to solve. And many people today are broken. They're looking for answers. They want hope. They need hope. And they're, they're desiring for something better, but they're unsure where to find it. They're unsure where to look. And millions are asking, what is coming next? What does the future hold? And others are wondering, where is God in the midst of all this suffering? If God really exists, or He cares, why does He allow these things to happen? And we're going to answer this question in part tonight, and in upcoming nights. And we're going to see the incredible plan that God has for our world, and for you personally, as we dive deep into the study of Bible prophecy. And many people have the question, if God is all-powerful, why does he allow bad things to continue to happen? Why does he allow bad things to continue to go on? Why allow innocent children to suffer and continue in poverty? Why allow violence and injustice to increase? How can a good God allow these things to happen? For some, they say, does God even exist? And throughout these series, we're going to get the answers from Jesus himself. Does that sound good? You can ask Jesus these direct questions, and he'll give us the direct answers. And it's going to be through the Word of God. And the Word of, Word of God is going to reveal these deep life questions. 
And so the Bible is no ordinary book. It has foretold world history thousands of years in advance with perfect accuracy. It reaches across every age, every culture, every tradition. It has the power to change your life today. And you may have come to this series not knowing what to expect, but I can tell you this, brothers and sisters, that you will experience God speaking to your heart as you study His Word. And Bible prophecy gives us clear insight into where our world is headed in the future. And God will unfold His plans, not just for the world, but for you as well. And so we're going to discover hope today and confidence for tomorrow as we open the Bible night after night. So I'd like to invite you to take a Bible right now, and we're going to take a look at our first question tonight. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 1 to answer this question. The question is, what is the purpose of prophecy? Our series is called Jesus on Prophecy. So what is the purpose of prophecy? Why does God give us prophecy in the Bible? And we're going to look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to start with table number 1. <laughs> so is there someone from table number 1 that would like to read this verse for us nice and loud? Okay. Continue. Yes. All right. Thank you very much for reading that verse. Okay. So the question is, what is the purpose of prophecy? Is there an answer from table number one based on that verse we just read? To show the things that must come to pass. Okay, so prophecy foretells what is going to come, what is going to happen. And we're thankful for that, aren't we? We're not going in the world blind. We, God gives us those foreknowledge ahead of time. What else do we see here? And we could, uh, any other table can chime in, not just table one. Yes. Back. The, revelation of Jesus the revelation of Jesus Christ. So a true revelation of who Jesus is is clearly depicted in the book of Revelation. That's true. A lot of people, when they look at the book of Revelation, they're kind of scratching their heads. They're people saying, can we really understand that book? No, that's a sealed book. Oh, the book, that's about beasts and, and all these uh, you know, dragons and all these other things. And it's a scary book. Don't read that book. But in actuality, friends, this book... And this verse, first verse tells us that it's about a revelation of Jesus. The book of Revelation reveals Jesus in a way like none other. And so it's, I'm so glad that you're here for this seminar to learn more as we study the book of Revelation to see a clear picture of who Jesus is, right? So we see that revelation of Jesus is the purpose for this book. Now let's go ahead and go to table number two. Uh, can we have someone read verse 3? Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Can you read that? Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Innocent? Okay. No? Okay. We'll, we'll go to uh, table number 3. Did you want to read that? Then it is for the time is 
Ah, very good. So we see that. What does the verse tell us? When we read the book of Revelation, what can we expect to receive? A blessing. That's right, a blessing. So we can receive a blessing. There's a disclaimer here that says when we study the book of Revelation, we are going to be what? Blessed. Right? We're going to be blessed. We're going to be happy. We're going to benefit from it. And so what is the purpose of prophecy? Here's what we've discovered in verse 1 and 3 of chapter 1. It says God wants to reveal God, Jesus in a, in a deeper way. And we see that Jesus' character is going to be shown through, through prophecy, without Jesus being the centerpiece uh, of, of the Word of God. All we'll have is mere information, right? Jesus is the center of all that the Bible reveals, especially in prophecy. And with Christ as a center, when we study the Word of God, guess what it'll, ha- what it'll bring? It'll bring transformation for our lives, And also, we see the purpose of prophecy, number two, is that God wants to bless us as we read his word, right? How many of you guys want to be blessed? Well, you've come to the right place because we are going to study the book of Revelation and gain a blessing as we study that book. And so this is a Bible-based study series, and you're going to know that everything that we study comes straight from the Bible, and you guys will be teaching me during this series, okay? So you're going to confirm that from the Bible. Number three, God doesn't want us to be in the dark concerning the condition of the future of our world. And so we see that God has given revelation to his servants. He wants us to understand that Bible prophecy speaks directly to our time. And that's why when I read the book of Revelation, it gives me goosebumps because it's actually geared to the times that we're living in. It's very relevant for us uh, at the time that we're in in this world. And so make no mistake, Prophecy is being fulfilled as we speak, uh, and today in 2019. Now, you see throughout uh, the book of Revelation, I'm just going to give you a little quick panorama. You see that you'll find many scenes. When you go to the first, second half of the book of Revelation, you will find God revealing beasts and powers who bring calamity to this world. Many people become confused about the symbols of prophecy, but the Bible is going to make them very clear as we study night after night, so please keep coming. And in Revelation chapter 14, it talks about a very special message called the three angels' messages. This is a message that is to go to the entire earth, and it's coupled with the everlasting gospel. It's a message that the world needs to hear. It's a message that is a last plea to humanity to accept him in the face of the mark of the beast and earth's final crisis. God speaks directly to planet earth, and this message goes across every continent. And let's take a little sample of what this message says. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, it says... Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, and saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. The most Important elements of this message are that we should recognize that God is trying to get our attention in these last days. He's proclaiming a solemn message that his judgment hour has come. And in a future night, we will see that this last day judgment has already begun. So stick around for that. But we also see that this declaration of judgment has having begun is mingled with a message of mercy and love. The everlasting gospel 
is God's plea and plan to save humanity uh, and, and how we can escape from this world as we know it. As we look around, we even see that even non-religious people sense that something big is on the horizon. We are facing unsolvable problems and God calls us in the last days to turn to Him as His Creator. He calls us to recognize that He alone has the solution to this corrupt world and our own selfish, sinful hearts. And we see in Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, it continues to say, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. In the midst of all the chaos, God promises that He will have a people on the earth that will be lovingly loyal to Him no matter what. They have given their lives to the one who has given His life for them. And they have responded to the invitation of the everlasting gospel. And God has recreated in their hearts uh, a love for Him. And they will stand for Jesus no matter what the crisis, because Jesus lives in them. And so we see tonight, you can also respond to God's invitation. He's making that invitation to you, and if you would open your heart up to Him and let His love change your life, He alone has the power to make you new, to cleanse your heart and to make you a new creation. He does it through faith. Faith is what? Faith is a simple trust in believing that God can do what He says He will do. Amen? So if you believe that God's Word can do what it says it will do, then there is nothing that He cannot do for your life. And that's very exciting. The possibilities that God could do for your life is, is endless. And so, will you trust Him tonight? I hope so. And we'll continue to study... We'll continue to study a three angels' messages on a future night, uh, so you don't want to miss that. So please continue coming, and we have a lot to look forward to. Revelation 14, 14 says, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And so we see... As it continues, And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat upon the throne thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And so we see that there is a picture in Revelation where it shows Jesus coming with a sickle in his hand. That sickle is commonly used in a time of harvest. When they would harvest the grain, they would use that sickle to, take the to reap the harvest. And so the harvest represents Jesus' second coming. When Jesus is coming, He's coming to reap the harvest. He's going to reap those who are His people. He's going to determine who are really His and who He's going to take home with Him at His second coming. And so His presence, when He comes, will light up the world. It will be indescribable brightness and light. And God's people will be waiting for Him with joyous hearts. Their patience will have been rewarded at that time. And we will see God face to face. I can't wait for that. Can you? Don't you, don't you want to see Jesus face to face and for Him to take you home? Suffering, sin, and sadness being no more. What a glorious day that would be. The way is clear. We must give our hearts to Him today, 
and every day. And His grace will make you more and more like Him until you become just like Him. But only you can make that decision to receive Him. Are you willing to make that decision today? Later, in Revelation, you'll also see the battle of Armageddon, as seen in the seven last plagues in in chapter 17. And there's a last-day global power called Babylon, a system of religious confusion that will strive to deceive the entire world at the end time. And we will learn exactly what that power is and know that God's plan to prevent you from being deceived. And as we walk with Christ and follow His word, His love and truth will guide us in every aspect of what lies ahead. We do not need to fear, for Jesus, through His death and resurrection, has already gained victory. Amen? Amen. In Revelation chapter 19, there's a wonderful picture of the second coming of Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And before Revelation's complete... Uh, earth has been made new. Things are returned to perfection. God says in Revelation, the time is at hand, and we will learn more about this climactic event in a future study. So you want to keep coming. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Friends, Jesus reminds us that he has already walked the shoes that we walk in today. He knows everything that we could possibly go through because he also came to be like one of us, to experience life as we know it, so that he can empathize with us. He can understand us in a deeper, personal way. And knowing that, when we open our hearts to let him into our hearts to abide, he will live his life through our life and cause us to also become victorious moment by moment. And friends, that is the the key to the successful Christian life. When we allow Jesus into our life, He lives out His life in us. And that is possible if we allow Him to. God will never force Himself upon you, but you must give Him that permission, and He will do that for you. And He's knocking at the door. And He's going to be knocking at the door during the whole course of this series as you come to understand His voice through the pages of Scripture. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21 says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He promises that as we receive him each day, we can live a victorious life of joy and peace, and we can be an overcomer just as he overcame. So we can look beyond the heartbreak and the hurt of our own present experience and know that good things are coming doesn't matter what you're going through right now. Are you going through some hurt right now? Are you going through some difficulty and, and trouble right now? Well, the best place to come to is Jesus, right? And know that he, when he returns, he offers hope to the world tonight. He offers a new beginning in each and every person's life. And you've met people, I've met people, who have suffered from terrible diseases, some of them who are not going to survive, but they can have hope. Because they know there's a better day coming. But we don't have to just look for hope for tomorrow or in the distant future. We can have that hope realized today when Christ lives in our lives. And so the inescapable conclusion we come to is that sooner or later, there will be a generation of people living on the earth who will see Jesus when he comes. I pray that that will be our generation. 
I cannot wait for Jesus to come in my generation. And friends, we're going to see that he is coming, is, His coming is very near. And when He comes, uh, the amazing thing is that our hearts, until then, must be surrendered to Him, the, uh, that we can be like Him in character, that we can be pure. The hearts can be changed by Him, and our lives will testify of that change. So tonight we pause long enough to consider whether or not the time could be at hand for us. Could it be that the last great events to come upon planet Earth are at hand? Undoubtedly, I believe that they are. But how do we know for sure? We're going to dig into the Bible tonight. Are you guys ready for our next verse? Okay, our next question is, in the midst of chaos and uncertainty in this world, what promise does Jesus give us? And we want to turn to the book of John. John chapter 14 and we're going to look at verse 1 through 3. John 14, 1 through 3. In the midst of chaos and uncertainty in this world, what promise does Jesus give us? And I believe that now it is table 4. Uh, someone from table 4 can read John 14, 1 through 3. And... Uh, Okay, thank you for reading that for us. So what is the answer? What promise does Jesus make for us in this set of passages? Yes, I see a hand there in table number 11. Okay. Yeah, so God, Jesus is promising that he'll take us home to be with him. He's going to prepare a place for those who believe in him. Those who take him up on his promise, right? So what an incredible promise. Jesus has promised that he is coming back to take us home. There's no darkness that this world can take, away, take that away from you tonight. And we see that there's no trial, no disease, no struggle that this life can throw at you that can take you away from the love of God and the place that he has in his heart for you. And you could claim that promise all the way to eternity. Amen? Question number three. What is the first sign Jesus warns us to take heed? And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to actually look at the whole chapter from this point on. So just keep your uh, Bible open there. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 is a very interesting chapter. It's actually a precursor to the book of Revelation. Uh, Jesus actually gives a whole set of events that will take place in the last days that we need to be mindful of so that we can know what to expect. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, and I believe we are now at table number 5. Uh, can we have someone read Matthew chapter 24, verse 3? Would you mind reading that for us, please? Oh, you're 6. I'm sorry. Okay, 5. There you go. Okay. Yes, please. Verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Ah, so notice that the disciples are asking Jesus a question, and they're asking him the question, 
about what is a sign of what? Your coming and the end of the age, right? So they're asking very appointed question. Yes? Is that a pointed question? Yeah, they're saying, Lord, Jesus, tell us, what is the sign of your coming? And what is the sign of the coming of the end of the age? And so they're asking a very pointed question. Jesus gives an appointed answer, right? And so let's take a look at verse 4. Now, table 6. If, you can, if someone can read verse 4 there. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. And uh, verse 5. If we can have the next table, read verse 5. Table number 7. Anyone from table number 7, verse 5? Mm, okay, so what is Jesus warning us about? What is the first sign that Jesus warns us of? Deception, right? He says that there's going to be, uh, many will be deceived, right? Yes or no? Did the Bible say that? Right, Jesus himself said that, there will, that one of the signs, the first sign out of many will be that there will be many that will deceive. I mean, they'll come and deceive many. Right? And check out this verse. You don't have to turn there. It's up on the screen. But 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, this is what it tells us. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You know, it's interesting how Paul, who's writing to Timothy here, describes the last days, that many will depart from the faith. And not just depart from the faith, but they will also give heed to deceiving spirits. And do we see that happening today in our world? Yes, we do. The occult, witchcraft, sorcery are extremely popular and widely accepted. Look at the media. There's so much of this sort of things that is being cranked out there for entertainment that gets people to be enamored with and also fascinated with uh, magic and mysticism and all these other things, right? We see that is often portrayed as innocent fun. Zombies, vampires, and other similar things have become obsessions in television, movies, books, games, and more. Certainly the words of Scripture are coming alive today. And no deception comes as a deception. Did you realize that? Nothing comes labeled as deception, very blatantly. <laughs> right? No prophet will claim to be a false prophet. He won't come up to you and say, hey, I'm a false prophet. <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be nice <laughs> if, if they said that? But that, it doesn't work like that. Right? There are people that will claim to be prophets, but we can only look to the Bible as our guide for truth in the last days. Amen? Our emotions, our senses will not be a safe guide in these last moments of earth's history. And we must cling to Jesus and his word. It's not enough to simply believe in Jesus' name only. We must allow the Bible to be our tangible guide of truth that directs our thoughts and choices and actions. The Bible is our safeguard. And we must cling to the Bible because that is what's going to preserve us through the time of deception. Question number four. Uh, which table are we at now? Table number eight, I believe. Is that right? Okay, so what other signs does Jesus say indicate the nearness of his return that we cannot miss? Uh, we're going to look at verse 6 of chapter 24. 
And if we could have someone read that in table 8. Matthew 24, 6. Wow. So Jesus is saying what? The next sign that you'll see also that's going to be rampant and very frequently in occurrence is what? You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, right? And we see that he says, be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But he says what? The end is not yet. Oh my. <laughs> you know, we think that the, world, the wars that take place, that's the end. But he says that that's not the end yet. Right? We see that when Jesus said that, us, that war was a sign of the last days, we hear a lot about war and rumors of wars today, right? No question, especially in our time, right? And we see that in World War I, 24 million people died. In World War II, it was about 60 million. And just try to imagine how massive that number is. And it leads me to think that if Jesus wasn't referring to this day, then what was he referring to? You know, in um, more than 280 million people, 280 million people died from war just in the 20th century alone. And that is nearly more than all the other centuries combined. Surely the signs Jesus spoke of are being fulfilled in our news headlines today. And we see that today there are nearly, what, almost 10 million people living in Michigan, right? Um, that would mean that every person in the state would have to have died 28 times to total the number of deaths from war in just over the past 100 years. That's a staggering statistic, right? And here's a very interesting quote that I got um, where Joseph Stalin says, a single death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That we're seeing that more and more people dying as a result of war, which Jesus talked about. The constant threat of global calamity is not something that it was on the docket before 1900s. It's a very, very new experience for the world. The words of Jesus are truly being fulfilled today. We have the capacity to kill and destroy things more due to uh, technology and, and scientific uh, discoveries. Uh, we're living in very um, fragile times. Something can cause a, a worldwide calamity. And let's look at verse 7, uh, table number 9. Can someone read that? Okay, so Jesus goes on. He says there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and all these things will take place. Jesus said that there will be famines, first of all. Let's focus on that. Do we see famines in the world today? The United Nations tells us that one in nine people don't get enough food to live healthy, active lives. And we can forget that from our place of comfort, you know, we're very privileged to be living where we're at. But that's a huge problem for other parts of the world. 
One person dies every five seconds from hunger-related causes, in spite of the fact that one-third of the food produced on our planet is wasted. That's how it is on a global level. 925 million people are malnourished or hungry. And we see many people have the question, if God is all-powerful, why does he allow these things to go on? Why allow innocent children to suffer or continue in poverty? Why allow violence and injustice to increase? How can a good God allow these things to happen? For some, they even say, why does God allow this to happen? But the reality is, friends, many of these things are in our hands. Our hands to correct. For example, there's not a famine in the world because there isn't enough food to feed every mouth. There's, there is. It's simply how it's being distributed. Uh, because of greed and selfishness of the human heart, there is a lack for some. And God has made us stewards of this earth. And he has called us to properly take care of our world and each other. And yet sin has interrupted his perfect plan. And we will study more about that in a few, ni in a few nights. But in a world that is so advanced, so intelligent, so studied, so qualified, so technologically developed, we can't figure out how to stop people from dying from hunger-related causes when a third of the food we produce is wasted? That's amazing. In the United States, the average American wastes about 220 pounds of food per year. You know, that must break God's heart. And Jesus also spoke of pestilences. What is a pestilence? Disease, right? And what is exactly, and we see there's strange diseases out there today that doesn't have a cure. We have diseases uh, as a human race, but in the last 100 years, there have been explosions of new ones. AIDS have been around our whole life, and if you're younger, uh, it's, it was, it, but it was less than 100 years ago. And it's killing 2 million people a year. We thank God for the advancements in medication and, and treatment and that HIV is no longer necessarily a death sentence, but still has claimed the lives of millions. Add to that the people all, all over the world who are dying from heart disease and cancer and diabetes. How many of you guys know someone who have died from cancer or, or uh, heart disease or heart attack or anything? All of us, right? This is becoming more prevalent now. There are more than 8 million pre-diabetics in the United States right now. And millions of diabetics is costing the nation billions and billions of dollars. And we all know somebody who died from a heart attack or from cancer or these modern-day pestilences. We don't think of them so much, but there are the diseases that really scare us, like Ebola, SARS, mad cow disease, terrifying diseases. Jesus said, a sign of the last days will be famines and pestilences. And it may surprise you to know that one of the most common pestilences or common places to get sick is where? In the hospital. <laughs> you know, ironically. <laughs> you know, we, we're sicker perhaps more than we've ever been in our modern world with all the science and modern medication and all of our research, all of our study. We are still, despite all that, very sick. In fact, when you really think about it, all throughout humanity, we have had, for the most part, the same diseases. Measles, mumps, smallpox, typhoid fever. But in the last 100 years, we've had an explosion of all these new diseases, haven't we? Right? Diseases that we've never seen before. And surely the words of Jesus ring true today 
as it did 2,000 years ago. Earthquakes. We wonder when Jesus says earthquakes, could he be talking about our day? I think he could. Just since the turn of the century, the number of earthquakes continue to rise across the globe. And we see in recent years, 200, what was it, 222,000 people died from one earthquake in Haiti. That's phenomenal. And these are catastrophic events, massive events. And they, they're telling us, yes, we are living in that age that Jesus spoke about and when he was talking about the t signs of his return. We see Times Magazine reported in June 26, 2019 that Swarmageddon, as it's been dubbed, started in May 25th and lasted through at least June 19th, according to the Southern California Seismic Network. A partnership between the U.S. Geological Survey and the California Institute of Technology, it affected the area of San Bernardino and Riverside counties 40 miles east of downtown Los Angeles. And um, that uh, makes me worry a little bit because I, I'm from San Bernardino, Riverside area, and my parents still live there along with my family. And so whenever we hear of news of earthquakes, I always call my family, are you all right? And uh, fortunately, God is still watching over them. But uh, one of the other reasons why we're glad we moved to Michigan, <laughs> because you don't get earthquakes here. But check this out. In 2000 to 2003, they reported 12,000 to 15,000 earthquakes per year. Okay, 2005 to 2008, 3,000 to 35,000 earthquakes per year. In 2009 to 2019, our present date, 40,000 and 50,000 earthquakes per year. It seems that there's a continual increase in earthquakes. What do you guys say? Wow. It's no ac accident, right? And then we start to think about weather-related events. Who can forget Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Rita? A one-two punch that caused 150 billion dollars worth of damage. Nobody ever seen anything like that before. Um, these things were a rare occurrence a hundred plus years ago, but these are regular occurrences today. The damage was one thing, but there's also the loss of life. The families being torn apart, communities destroyed. You can't put a price on that. We've never seen such a thing before in our nation's history. It's the worst we have ever experienced. While some places are experiencing catastrophic storms, others are experiencing drought. The once 100-year drought or flood now seems to be becoming a decade event. It happens every 10 years now. Let's now focus to question number five. What table are we on now? 10? Okay. Well, we're going to look at uh, this question. Uh, we're going to turn to Matthew 24, verse 37 for this question. How does Jesus describe the condition of the world before he comes? Okay, so can we have someone from table number 10 read verse 37 of Matthew 24? 37, yes. Okay, so Jesus is saying that the times before he comes will be like what days? Like the days of Noah, right? So, Noah and the ark. Remember that story? What was the days of Noah like? Do you remember? 
Well, if we go back to Genesis chapter 6, you don't have to turn there. You could write it down. You could turn if you'd like, but it's up here. But uh, this is what the Bible tells us when it describes the days of Noah, which Jesus says is an exact similarity to the times before he comes. It says in Genesis 6 verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only what? Evil continually. Wow. And the earth was also, verse 11, corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with what? Violence. Do we see violence in our world today? Yeah. We, we, see, we hear a lot about like, shootings that are taking place or random acts of violence that take place, atrocious things that take place in the world today. And Jesus says that just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days before Jesus comes, the coming of the Son of Man. That sounds like the times that we're living in, doesn't it? And when we see all around us, on our streets, in our cities, all around the world, suggest that we're living in a day that Jesus spoke of. Noah's day, characterized by violence. Jesus said, the day of his return will be like Noah's day. And friends, it seems like we are there. And when the first modern day mass shooting took place many years ago, the whole nation was shocked People could not believe their eyes. But today, most people shrug when they see another one in the daily news. We almost have become numb to the world's evil. We've come to a place where we don't even realize how much things are not like they used to be. The world, just like in the days of Noah, is evil continually. Many skeptics will say, well, that's always been a natural disaster around. There's always been earthquakes, famines, pestilences. This has always happened in the past. Yes, that's true. But notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 8. Can we have table number 11 read that verse? Matthew 24, verse 8. What does Jesus say in the, after saying all these things that will take place? Famines pestilences, earthquakes. What does he say after that? Can someone read verse 8, please? Ah, oh, what does Jesus say? Yes, there's famines. Yes, there's pestilence. Yes, there's earthquakes. In the days of Noah, it'll be like that. But what does he say? Those things are just the beginning. Oh, my. Are you fearful of the future? <laughs> when Jesus says, that's just the beginning. You haven't seen anything yet. Buckle your safety belts and be ready for the ride that's about to come, right? But notice, it says all these are the beginning of sorrows. That word sorrows is a very interesting word because some Bibles translate the, that word. And, and you know what that word means, that word sorrows? That word sorrows means, is properly translated as birth pains. Birth pains. How many of you are parents here? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay. Raise your hands, ladies, if you gave birth. Okay, so you know what this is talking about, right? Well, you have those birth pains. Do you feel what's called contractions? Right? And you, you feel a contraction, but then, oh, okay, wait, I guess nothing's, it's all right for now. But then the contraction continues, right? And when it continues, it gets more what? Intense, right? And so this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, in the last days, as these, as these things are happening, earthquakes, pestilences, famines, all these things are happening, he says, they're going to happen more in frequency and intensity. That's what he's saying. 
He said, this is just the beginning. And we see that as they get closer, they get more intense. The earthquake doesn't mean much, but a common occurrence of these things, a frequency of these things, introduces us to the idea that Jesus is coming soon. The signs are getting closer together. They're becoming more intense. And it's not madness to realize this. It's becoming prudent for us to recognize this. And we should. So how should we feel? Hopeless? No. Notice, what did Jesus say? We just read that earlier in John chapter 14. Table number 4 read that earlier. John 14 verse 1. It said, Jesus says, Let not your heart be what? Troubled. Right? Remember the promise of Jesus. Even though these things are happening, don't let your heart be troubled. And in Luke chapter 21, verse 28, he says this, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So yes, those things are going to happen in frequency and intensity, but Jesus says when these things happen, look up because my coming is very near. It's going to be any time now. I'm going to break through those clouds and I'm going to come for you. Just be ready. Be sure to be ready. And our redemption will draw near. So these signs tell us, yes, they're happening, but it tells us, I need to get ready for Jesus. His coming is even more near than I expected. And make no mistake, friends. When Jesus said to watch for these things and they're happening all around us, while they're not necessarily good things, we can know that good news is coming because what? Jesus is coming soon. Amen? I can't wait for him to come and put an end to this world as we know it. And let's take a look at Matthew 24, verse 36. Um, who uh, did we leave off with? Table number 11? Read last? Table number 12. Can we have someone from table number 12 read verse 36 of Matthew 24, please? Ah, so nobody knows what? Nobody knows the exact day or the hour of his return, right? It says not even the angels in heaven. You know, there's some people that have, to, have made claims of when Jesus is coming. Have you guys uh, heard those claims before? Some people say, oh, Jesus is going to come. Uh, uh, 2012, the Mayan calendar is going to end. And here we are, 2019. <laughs> right? Uh, nobody knows the day or hour. Right? We, we know that, but Jesus says, when we see the signs around us, we can have an idea. We can have a picture that it's near, but we cannot exactly pinpoint it. So we have to be ready all the time. Right? Okay, question number six. What uplifting sign does Jesus give us as another indicator of his soon return? And Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 is where we're going. And... Uh, we were at table 12, table 13. Is table 13, where is table 13? Is it behind you, table 13? Okay, it's empty, okay. Uh, table 14, Yunju. Would you mind reading verse 14, please? Thank you for reading that. Now we see what is the, another positive sign. Despite all the bad signs that we covered, what's one positive, encouraging sign that we see that tells us that Jesus' coming is near? What is it? The gospel will be 
preached where? All over the world. Isn't that encouraging? Right? The gospel is going to go out to all the world. Jesus says that today that he has a message for all the world to know. The true revelation of Jesus. And, this, and, and Jesus is the one that can, he's the only one that can satisfy our hearts. He can only, he's the only one that can satisfy our needs. And that is what the gospel is. You guys know what the word gospel means? Gospel means what? Good news. That's right. The gospel is good news. Despite the bad things happening in the world today, there is good news. The gospel that is going to be going out to the whole farthest reaches of the earth. And so people of every walk of life, whether they're Muslim, atheists, Buddhists, you know, all these people are realizing that the Bible truly has the answers to the problems our world faces. As they get acquainted with Jesus, they also realize that he has the answers to the struggles they face personally. Across the globe, hundreds of, mil hundreds of millions are discovering in Jesus Christ a life-changing power that cannot be bought or obtained anywhere else. You know, did you know that, uh, do you know what is the most requested language for Bible studies? Uh, for, uh, no, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not Bible studies, but the most requested language for, oh yeah, for Bible studies. Which language in the world do you think are asking for more Bible studies? Huh? Chinese? That's a good guess. It's not Chinese though. Arabic. That's right. Yes. Arabic is, well, well Arabic is a third, but um, we see that, um, we see all these other areas where they're, where you see that the gospel seems to be unable to penetrate, all of a sudden people are wanting to know more about these things. They're wanting to find what the Bible has to offer because they sense that the Bible has something that they need. And um, I don't know if um, you've seen this video on YouTube, but I saw this video on YouTube where it shows how uh, the people of China, um, they, they never had Bibles at all. And when they brought a box of Bibles to them, uh, they all swarmed over this Bible, <laughs> over this box. They all wanted to grab a Bible. And when they got, grabbed their Bible, they were like, holding it with such sacredness and they were so glad that they had a Bible. Their people were crying because they had a Bible, you know, which they never had before. They knew what that Bible had. It had hope for them. And so the world is awakening. The world's realizing their need of the one true God. And this is another fulfillment of, this, of the sign of Jesus' near return. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. It says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, and saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who has made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. With hope in your hearts of the soon return of Jesus, will you... Give Him the glory in these last days by giving your heart unreservedly to Him and worship Him as your Creator and Redeemer. You know, there's so much confusion in the world today. There are many philosophies, belief systems, but there's a simple way not to be deceived. Jesus war warns us about deception. He says, do not be deceived. How can we not be deceived? It's very simple. What we need to do is, first of all, pray. What did I say? Pray. pray. Read your Bibles. 
Remember I said earlier the Bible is our safeguard, right? When we know the Bible, it'll protect us from deception and follow Christ. What are those three points? Pray, read your Bible, and follow Christ. How do you follow Christ? Well, you follow his teachings, right? Whatever Jesus says, you follow. And when you gather around the Word of God and make that your counsel, and you make that your guide, and you will learn to cultivate a love for God in your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus even said, If you love me, keep my commandments. These are straightforward, simple things. Following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and then He prompts you to turn your life over to Him, to yield your heart to Him. And God can give you a new heart tonight. I believe that. A new hope tonight. A new future tonight. And that's what God can do. The one who made water turn into wine can turn a sinner into a saint. He opened the eyes of the blind when he walked on this earth, and he can open our eyes and help us to see him through new eyes. Just as Jesus raised the dead, Jesus can also raise the spiritually dead. If we're without hope, if we're filled with sin, we come to this God who inspired revelation. We don't come to revelation as an academic exercise, but it's a spiritual exercise because it's God's book. It's a spiritual book. And it's written to us to tell us about Jesus, the God-man the Savior of the world. We're not here just to gather mere knowledge, but an experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. See, friends, when we read the Bible, and what we read in the Bible, in the prophecies, in Revelation, in the signs of the times, it is the last movements of earth's history soon to be fulfilled as we see it. We are living definitely in earth's last days. And we are there. And Jesus is near, even at the doors. But there's a message that we really need to make sure we're getting. Long ago, God placed a message in his word. And the Holy Spirit calls us today and says that the message is simply put, put your faith in God. We are down here at the end of earth's history. The end is near. Jesus is soon to return. We must put our faith in God. We believe that Jesus is coming soon. Put your trust in him alone. So what does it mean? If the signs are saying that Jesus is coming soon, but what about the prophecies of the beast? The mark of the beast? The image of the beast? Well, that all means that Jesus' coming is sooner than we expect. We cannot be far from what Daniel called a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. We cannot be far away from that. But the signs tell us that Jesus is coming soon. The signs say that we're almost there. Therefore, it's important that all our faith is in the right place. Where's your faith this evening? Have you put your faith in Jesus have you put all your hopes upon him? Have you realized, based on the signs that are taking place around us, that his coming is near? 
We don't want to ignore those signs. Those signs are there for us to help us to realize that we must look up for our redemption draws near. Friends, planet Earth is a ship that is sinking. Yes, there's still much that looks wonderful and idyllic, but we must not fool ourselves into thinking that we're cruising safely and that tomorrow everything will be just the same as it was yesterday. It will not be. The signs tell us that Jesus is coming is near. The question is, is he or isn't he? The question now is, what about us? What are we going to say to Jesus? Are our hearts given to him to be kept and defended? And if not, would you like to give your heart to Jesus tonight and tell him you want to be ready for his soon return? How many of you would like to make that decision? If so, would you raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to give my life to you and be ready to be in your keeping before you come. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. Can I pray for you right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your word tells us with clarity that your coming is near. The signs are all around us, and we can't deny that. We can't deny that they're happening more frequently and more with intensity which tells us that your coming is near. And knowing that, Lord, you've seen our hands raised and our hearts have been touched to make a decision. And Lord, we want to make that decision. We want to give our hearts to you and to allow you to have control of our lives. And we want to place and entrust our future in your hands. So Lord, please be with each and every precious soul here today. We pray that you'll please guide them and protect them and be with them till we meet again next time. We thank you for hearing this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.